This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to episode 202. The actual blanket box itself um, was like a 90s pine. Um, it wasn't particularly beautiful. It had a great surface area on it. So I thought, well, I know it can take pattern. And that's what I do look for when I pick pieces as well. But with regards to the design of the piece, it was neither here nor there really you could walk past it in a second-hand shop and not think anything of it but I could see the potential I knew it had good surface area. Today in Uncovering Art we feature a beautiful blanket box hand-painted by Heidi of Dingley Dell Creative. We not only discuss this piece but also the art of hand-painting furniture. Destiny with the Charleston Grove shares some very important tips all centered around taking time. This week's question of the week what was the most challenging piece you ever worked on and why? is answered by our furniture finishing friends Nikki with Painted on Maine, Tina with Vintage Revitalized, Brianna with Brianna Canook, and Arwa with Salt and Honey Reclaimed. Leanne with All About the Paint gives accolades to Jess with Flipping Unbelievable. Stay with us, friends. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Listening friends, we are getting close to celebrating the annual Golden Brush Awards. It is time to review all of your pieces for 2022 and see which pieces you want to enter in the 10 different categories. As a reminder, they are Best Artistic Close-Up, Best Clean and Classic, Best Dramatic Makeover, Best Farmhouse Style, Best MCM, Best Multicolored Piece, Best New Artist of 2022, Best Repurposed Piece, Best Restored Wood Unpainted, and Best Staging. This year, Fusion Mineral Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, and Surf Prep Sanding will be joining Zebra to offer incredible prizes. You have the remaining month left to refinish a piece you were thinking about entering as well. All entries must be refinished between January 1st, 2022 through December 31st, 2022. Stay tuned for more details to come. Degas, the famous French Impressionist artist, once said, Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Every day, thousands of furniture finishers are doing just that with their work, and every day we see unique, beautiful pieces of art that have stretched the limit of creativity, bringing art to new levels of inspiration. Uncovering these unique pieces is what this segment is all about. We are excited to feature another episode of Uncovering Art. These segments give us all the opportunity to explore a specific piece, what makes it unique, and how the artist achieved the design. Uncovering the details, uncovering the art. Today we are uncovering a beautiful hand-painted blanket box by Heidi Roper with Dingley Dell Creative. We hope you enjoy. Hello Heidi, it's nice to have you back on the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Has the holiday season been busy for you this year? Um, well, just the same really. Um, I've, I work much predominantly on commissions so mm -hmm. I have them booked in well in advance and then try and fit in my own pieces in between um so I just work steadily throughout yeah that, and that's that's really the best isn't it it's like the best mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. so how's the weather in I guess you're in Lancashire is that Lancashire, uh, yeah it's really frosty it's a uh, in fact it's so cold the frost hasn't melted today even though we've had bright sunshine throughout the day so oh, it's wow. really crisp it's really crunchy when I took the dog out this morning the sky was purple it was just beautiful mm. orange and purple um so a bit of um 
if you imagine a Christmas card, it looked a bit like that where I am. All the rooftops were white and sparkly and, yeah, really pretty. You make it sound mm. so lovely. <laughs> yeah, how it is. It was very beautiful this morning. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was uh, here in North Carolina, it was very foggy. We get these weather wow. apps, you know, and the weather apps will go off with these warnings about the fog, you know, because obviously it's mm. dangerous to drive in the, the fog. The morning commute for folks is difficult. So, yeah. but, uh, but it's been warmer than usual. It's actually been probably in the upper 60s yes. and um, uh, a lot of rain and fog, as I said, don't, haven't seen the sun in a few days, but hopefully that will pop out in the next week or so. Well, Heidi, you, your pieces always stop us in your tracks. I mean, each one is so unique, colorful, and we love the folk art design you incorporate into each one. I think it's pretty amazing that you hand paint all of your work. I mean, you don't use any uh, stencils or anything like that, do you? No, no, I don't. And each piece that I pick, furniture-related each piece, the pattern can change because the size of the piece dictates it. So... Even if I work on a piece and it's a similar design to something I've done before, say it's for a commission for a client or something, the scale of the pattern can change in keeping mm -hmm. with the piece of furniture as well. So, yeah, everything I do is hand-painted and it's very much bespoke to the piece of furniture. I love your description on your website where you say, Welcome to my little corner of the world that loves color and pattern and where creativity reigns supreme. That is such a good description of your pieces. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's quite hard, isn't it? To just, I don't know. I don't really know where I fit style wise and, you know, how, which lane I go in really. Um, yeah. But I think just being open to pattern. Um, not just folk pattern, just pattern in general. Mm -hmm. I love creating pattern and colour is really important. So, yeah, those two things I just try and stay focused on. Um, and it gives me a broader spectrum, I think, where I'm not keeping myself in a box where, you know, I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again. I really try and do different things, although with pattern. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So how did you get started in the business of painting furniture? Well, I've always painted furniture. Um, when I left home, I bought my first house on a very tight budget. And so um, I was given a lot of furniture from friends and family. And it was really back in the day um, before upcycling was a thing. I mean, everyone's done upcycling, going back mm -hmm. eons, haven't they? Repurpose things. Um, but it wasn't really trendy. Mm -hmm. And then there was a program on in the UK called Changing Rooms, and it was all around that time. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll start doing things for myself. And I did a few things for friends and family. And then over the years, as I've moved house and changed jobs, and I've just carried on because I enjoyed it so much, you know, taking something that nobody else wanted mm -hmm. and really making it, you know, sometimes I had disasters, sometimes things didn't work out, but that was the fun of it. Mm -hmm. And just as time went on, I just did it more and more. And then when I had my daughter, I went on maternity leave and I had a bit more free time and wanted to be more creative because I worked in an office with um, in like accounts um, and I wanted to use my creativity. So I set up, um, I started painting furniture on the kitchen table and selling it locally. And then it just grew from there. Um yeah, I just really wanted to tap into more of my... I've always been very creative, but I've always just seen it as a hobby or something that I did around the home or with the children. I've always made things. And 
Um, and then thought it got to a point where I was having to go back to work to a job that I didn't particularly enjoy. Um, and I thought, well, no, I, I want to be at home more with the children and I really want to explore this creativity. So, yeah, that's how it, it started way back. It's always been a part of my life. Um, and then it's just grown and grown and mm -hmm. grown. And so this to where I am now. So, you know, looking back on when you started repurposing furniture, when did you start incorporating patterns? Was that something that developed uh, over time or was that something that you initially started incorporating as soon as you started repurposing? No, I didn't see it as I've always been drawn to pattern and I've always collected things and prints and, you know, art books with patterns in and loved them. I, but I didn't see the two marrying up together. It was, it was very separate. And then once I started painting colourful furniture, but it was plain furniture because I've always been drawn to bright colours, I felt really drawn to doing lots of pattern. And I thought, but there won't be a market for it. And anyway, kind of in my mind, it just the, the, the desire to paint it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I thought, well, I'm just going to do it because, you know, even if people laugh at me or they say it's rubbish, it doesn't matter. I've done it and this voice in my head will go away. And I did it and it sold straight away and I got a commission for another piece straight away for the same piece. And I thought, well, there might be something in this. And I looked around and there wasn't really, I mean, obviously there are um, folk artists and furniture painters that do pattern and things. But the kind of things that I was interested in, nobody was really doing it. So I thought, well, maybe I should give that a go. But with no art training, I've not been to art school or anything. You know, it mm. really was a case of practicing 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 doing designs in sketchbooks and then putting it on a wardrobe or a, or a blanket box or a chest of drawers and, and thinking well that did quite well or no that didn't work out particularly great it's just all trial and error so it was it's only quite a new development putting the pattern on um as i've gone into uh, refinishing furniture full time so mm -hmm. i'd say probably three two years maybe wow two well, and a half years that's extraordinary. You know, we asked you, uh, what is the funnest part of refinishing a few weeks back in our question mm -hmm. of the week? And mm -hmm. your response was hand painting all the details. So for yeah. you, it's not overwhelming as it would be yes. maybe for some people. It's a, it's a joy. It's probably yeah. therapeutic. Yeah. And you know, the, the prep work of the furniture and the, and the putting the base color on, I find that quite tedious, but the actual painting, hand painting, and seeing it come alive, so actually taking an idea in your mind and then thinking, oh, that would work really well on that with that colour. I don't find that a chore at all. And actually the actual painting, it can be quite in-depth and it can take a long period of time. You know, it's not a race. You're in it mm -hmm. for the joy of it. So I find it very calming and peaceful and, you know, it's 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 a joyful thing to do. And mm -hmm. Um, I, I suppose it's, I was listening to something yesterday about crafts and how people make things and, and the joy it brings to create something from an idea, and, you know, and bring it into reality. And it's the same thing. It's that, you know, um, taking something that nobody wants or they can't see past its original form and, and transforming it into something else. But the actual, the joy of painting in that time that's the gift. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily selling the piece, although that's nice because then I can feed my family. But it's, <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> that joy of painting, that's the nugget, that's the gem, that's the... Um, and I think if I stopped enjoying it as much as I do, 
that's when I would call it a day, definitely, because I would do something else that would channel my creativity, definitely. Well, that joy definitely shows forth in the results of your pieces. Um, oh, they're, they're very joy-filled pieces. One of your most recent pieces was a hand-painted blanket box, which was cho chosen for our Uncovering Art segment here, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But if you would, that particular piece, if you would just describe it uh, for our listeners and then talk about the process that you went through to achieve these beautiful results. Okay, so... It, um, the actual blanket box itself um, was like a 90s pine, um, wasn't particularly beautiful. It had a great surface area on it. So I thought, well, I know it can take pattern. And that's what I do look for when I pick pieces as well. But with regards to the design of the piece, it was neither here nor there, really. You could walk past it in a secondhand shop and not think anything of it. But I could see the potential. I knew it had good surface area. Um, so I took the lid off and I sanded that back to the raw wood state. And I thought, well, I've got four sides. Although it's a blanket box, it could very easily as well be used as maybe a coffee table in a sitting room with blankets inside and magazines on top. So I thought I really want to work the design all the way around um, and decided upon doing. a. I did a couple of things with that, actually. First of all, I started with the design going all and going all the way around so it, it led into one another rather than it being four separate designs um, and it didn't work and I thought it needed more structure so I got rid of that initial design sanded it all off and then painted it again which is not mm. uncommon <laughs> really? um, yeah and then thought well it needs a border and that's what I started with a border and I thought oh, I quite like that I just felt like it needed a bit of structure and I like the fact that the leaves give the structure. And that's what I started with. Um, took a pencil and traced out the initial kind of the bones of the piece. I'll call it the bones of the piece. So that's as, as the leaves come off. So you get your, your main structure. And I stood back and I thought, yes, I'm happy with that. And then I went in on the detail with the leaves. Mm. So it, it is a process. It's not necessarily, sometimes you can see something mm -hmm. and you think, oh, I know exactly what I want to do with that. That's, yeah, perfect. And then other times you think, well, it is such a blank canvas. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And so mm -hmm. that was the case with this one. It took a couple of attempts um, of, yeah, working on it late into the evening on the kitchen table. But I was pleased with the outcome. It's nice. It's a pretty piece. So all of your work is done on the piece. I mean, you're not doing any, you know, prepping or not. That's not the right word. You're not doing any planning mm -hmm. uh, like on thumbnails, sheets of paper, before you start i mean you just start on the piece itself yeah yeah but i always i have sketchbooks as well that I work in intermittently i don't always mm. work in a sketchbook but i do have sketchbooks about so if i if i feel inspired by something or i see a particular pattern in nature i'll sketch it down in my sketchbook and it's it's quite interesting how you or well, i find it anyway that i'll sketch something and it can just be a leaf formation for example mm -hmm. That I find interesting and maybe six months later that will come out in my design so mm. it might be something that you see or you notice and it's all about observation so it might be something that you see and you notice and you just store it in your mind you don't even mm. realize and then it can have an influence later down the road but no so I will work intermittently in a sketchbook but not necessarily planning out a design and then when I get a piece of furniture I'll sit with it and I'll think what what am I going to do this time Wow, that's that's such a lovely idea because you have this sketchbook with you. You can use it, um, mm -hmm. like you said, for, I mean, you're obviously inspired with something you see. You sketch that down, that design in your head, 
And then mm-hmm. you pull that back out for further inspiration when you're working on individual pieces. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great process. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Now, this particular piece with this blanket box, I'm looking at the mm-hmm. front. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like there's, are there three distinct colors that you've incorporated into this design? Yeah. Um, so there's the darker blue is the base. Mm-hmm. And then I went in with a lighter blue on the top and a little bit of pink, pale pink. I wanted to keep it quite feminine and pretty. Um, okay. And then with a, a lined oak top. Love the color combinations. Color combinations are just superb. Yes. They work so well together. Okay, so as we look at this piece and you have the border and then you have the lighter blue that pretty much covers the, the, the central portion of the piece. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you have the darker blue leaves that you have uh, you know, designed. Mm-hmm. How do you know where to begin so that you don't um, run out of room? I mean, how does that work? Yeah. So that's the point that I made earlier. Of I knew I needed a border. Um, so I, I traced a border around and then painted the light blue section. I'll just use this blanket box as, a, as an example of knowing spacing. Um, and then you put your main skeleton, if you will. I call it the bones, the structure, but the main skeleton of the vine. Okay, um, gotcha. So I used four pieces there. And then because it is hand-painted, you have room within the design to change the leaf size. So as I'm going in and I'm hand-painting, I can vary it to fit, if that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm looking around the edges because that's what kind of was – I know you said earlier that you sketch it out, but I was just thinking in terms of the leaves and the size of the leaves and the fact that they just come perfectly to the edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what you said is is what makes it um, you know so effective is that you are adjusting the size of the leaves as you get closer to those edges, but it all looks so complete and fit that when you're mm-hmm. looking at it finished, you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> how did you yeah. do that? Yeah, and I think if you try to make if you try to make that design fit on something else, it may not necessarily work. And that's why I like to use pieces and, mm-hmm. and change it as it goes, because each piece dictates scale and size and and design really. And I love what you did to the feet too, the little ball oh. feet. Uh you yeah. know, you could have just painted those solid. Yeah. But but you added that design on top of those and it's not too much. It works mm-hmm. perfectly with uh, the rest of the piece. Yeah, I felt like it was a really cute. It was very. I felt like it was very feminine, and it needed to be very cute. And mm-hmm. and you know, um, I tried doing just one color. I tried using the lighter blue, and that didn't work. It is just a process. You try lots of different things, and then once I'd done half and half in the dark blue and the pale blue, and then I thought, well, no, it needs more. So I added a little bit more detail. I think the hardest thing for me, anyway, is doing too much because I can go in too much on the detail, and it's knowing when to step back and go, no, that's enough now. That's mm-hmm. you know, it's getting the balance. I think that's the tricky, tricky thing. Let me ask you this: What type of paint do you use primarily? Mm, chalk paint. I like okay. chalk paint, yeah. Now, when you're painting something like this, um, do you dilute it any? Or Because mm. I was thinking in terms of like paint buildup. Sometimes when yeah. you're painting with smaller artist brushes, it's easy to get like a yeah. thickness Thick, to the paint. Yeah, yeah. And chalk paint's consistency is thicker than, say, a latex paint. Um, yes, I do. I dilute it down a little bit. So I would, mm-hmm. rather, I would rather have three layers and and i do go over the detail numerous times to get the color right 
I would rather work in thinner coats. So I will do three thinner coats than do one thick, chunky coat. Mm -hmm. It has a nicer, I feel, a nicer finish. Um, so quite often I'll do the initial coat and um, the base colour will be coming through and I have to go over again. Sometimes, depending on which colours I'm using, I can go over two or three times. That is patience. <laughs> That's the patience there, going yeah. in and over it numerous times. But yeah, so you don't get the, um, the build-up the same. We're going to take a quick break to hear from a friend of our sponsor. Hi, this is Anne Michelle with Amini Design Ashburn, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. I love Zebra paint brushes. They have a specific brush for every type of project you're doing, whether it's walls, furniture, detail work, or flat surfaces, Zebra has you covered. My favorite Zebra paintbrush has to be the Palm Pro. I love the size of the handle, and I love the ease in which it lets you get into areas you might not otherwise be able to reach with a long-handled brush. Whenever I use my Zebra Palm Pro, I am always amazed at the perfect amount of paint that it picks up and puts down on the surface. There's no drips. There's no brush strokes. I love my Zebra brushes. Thank you so much, Anne Michelle, for sharing about your experience with zebra paintbrushes. You know, I always like to discuss staging with these pieces and uncovering art, primarily because so much is going on with these pieces. And I suppose you have to be careful to avoid overstaging when you're wanting to put it in its best light and uh, sell this piece. Yeah, I I still don't know that I'm 100% sure on my staging, really. That's still a work in progress. I, um, because my pieces are quite detailed, I tend to just stick to very basic, clean white wall, clear floor, and just a couple of details that would make it feel as if it may be in a home. Um, because I think it could get too busy if I'm careful. And I think the simpler I keep it, the, the more you can tell that it's my work from the images. Um, and because I use the same props over and over again, maybe I shouldn't, I'm not sure. Um, but there's a theme there, you know, it's like books mm -hmm. and, and plants or flowers from the garden and, and um, maybe the odd piece of fruit here and there. It's not the, I don't want the props to, to, to take the attention away from the piece. So mm. I try and keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, no, I, I bring that up to uh, all of those artists that are on, on this particular segment for that reason alone. And I think that everyone that we've spoken to and interviewed with a specific piece, generally speaking across the board, do a really good job with staging. And I think that's just important to note that it's best to be simple. But I like what you commented, you know, you're bringing in just a few items that don't take away from it, but, the, but do personalize the piece a little more. And, uh, and and help people to see that this could be in your home uh, as well. So that's that's excellent. I think the other thing as well is I don't use I don't use um, stage lighting with my photography. I try and use natural light because I feel as though I want to create an atmosphere. So sometimes the light can be quite grey, but I think it's atmospheric. I think it adds to the the feeling of the piece of you know that this is what it would be like in your home on a on a gray winter's day kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think it adds a degree of drama to yeah. the piece as well, and I love that. Yeah. Um, is this particular piece sold? <laughs> yes, it's sold straight away, so that's nice. 
It's nice when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned now you've been doing this for, you said this, you know, pattern, what, couple, two to three years. So, you know, you've seen a pattern developing with items that you design and then sell. I guess my question is, do, is there like, do you have an average, you know, uh, amount of wait time from when you finish a piece to when it sells, just because yeah. you are creating really unique pieces. Yeah, and some things can sell straight away, and some things I absolutely adore and think, well, that will just sell straight away, and it can sit there for two years. Mm. You know, there's there's no, you've just got, I think because it is so individual, it has to find the right person. Um, and what I have learned over time is, that is no measurement on my success. That is just yeah. that the right person hasn't found it yet. And so yeah. as long as it's brought joy to paint and I have the room to store it until it finds the right person, I'm happy to hold on to that. But again, sometimes things sell really quickly. They go straight away. And then from that, I will get three or four commissions. People will message me and say, I saw that. Can you put it on a sideboard or can you you know, put it on a wardrobe? Or So, yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me is, is trying new designs, new colorways, new things so that. I'm giving people the opportunity to see different things. Mm -hmm. I, I try not to do the same designs over and over and over again. That must be difficult, especially if you really latched onto something that you really like and enjoy to mm -hmm. break apart from that. Uh, yeah. but, but that's what broadens your abilities. Yeah, and it's nice. I enjoy it. I, you know, I, I enjoy painting full stop. So it's never a chore if somebody asks me to paint a design. That's great. I, I love it. That's what I'm here for. Um, but the, I, I love creating new patterns and, and seeing new things and trying things out. That's, that's really, yeah, challenging for me and joyful, you know. Well, although we've talked about and highlighted the blanket box, I have to mention that uh, one of my favorite pieces that you did was a secretary that you painted triangles all over it. And it was kind of a blue-gray, um, and then uh, the base yes. was a darker stain. Absolutely yes. stunning. Yes. That was just phenomenal. Now, was that – how many years ago did you paint that? That was right at the beginning, I think. Was it the oak one with the duck egg blue harlequin? Is that the one? Um, it's, um, it's a, it's got, uh, see, I'm looking at it now. It looks like it's got four drawers at the front and then it's got the angled back, uh, that you open up, I believe. I'm assuming yeah. it's a desk. I didn't, I, I, yeah. I remembered that piece. And so I went back and I was like, I saw it on your website. I'm like, oh, yeah. I got to mention this particular piece because I, it was such a stunning piece. Oh, thank oh, you. Yeah. I think if it's the one you're talking about, um, I really enjoy doing geometrics as well. And um, is that is that the one you mean? Yes. Um, so I like to switch it up. I, th I think just surface pattern design in general really intrigues me and finding patterns within things, whether it's florals um, or straight lines. Yeah. Um, and sometimes um, change, switching up between the florals and the geometrics is really nice for me to paint. I find that the geometrics on the pieces that I do don't sell as well as the florals. Um, but again, that doesn't take away from the pleasure of doing it. Yeah. Um, it, you had mentioned earlier, yeah, it is, it is the Harlequin pattern that is on this piece. And what there's so many elements to design, and that's what I love about furniture finishers is you're, mm -hmm. you're not just painting a canvas, 
uh, the furniture piece is a canvas, but the furniture piece is dimensional. So mm-hmm. you've got to make sure that your design is going to fit on this particular dimensional piece that has its mm-hmm. own design in and of itself. And then you got the design of the hardware. So there's so many different elements and it's fun to see refinishers take all of those elements and make mm-hmm. them into a piece that is not fragmented, but it's one beautiful piece that yeah, is, cohesive. it's very yeah. cohesive. Yeah. And yeah. this, you know, all of your work is like that, but that's one of the things I loved about this particular uh, desk uh, because it's it's got all of those pieces. You look at the hardware; the hard, hardware doesn't take away from the Harlequin design that you have painted mm-hmm. on there. It just adds to it. Yeah, I suppose, um, and that's part of it. I suppose without even realizing it, and that's why designs can change on different pieces. You look at something, and your your mind's already working in that way of thinking about scale size design pattern what will work well on that piece um without you know without even thinking i mean i suppose you are thinking about it aren't you but i don't consciously go right okay this is wrong i just look at it and it works and it and it arrives at the idea that i get so um but yeah that was a fun piece to do that was one of the first geometric pieces i did and that harlequin wrapped all the way around the three sides. And that was quite tricky because the actual <laughs> bureau's on an angle. So it, it leans back, if you will. So to get the harlequin to match up and go all the way around as well, that was a real test. So I particularly enjoyed that. And it went to a lovely home. The lady adores it. Um, and it, she says it brings her joy every day. But it was a real challenge to paint. But I really, really enjoyed it. well again it's uh, so so stunning Um, well thanks Heidi for sharing the details behind the blanket box but also this piece that I just brought up Um, really really beautiful you can find Heidi on Instagram at Dingley Dell Creative today's refinishing tip comes from Destiny with the Charleston Grove Hey y'all, it's Destiny from the Charleston Grove here with a friendly reminder to take your time with the process. Pause for that before shot. Not only does it provide content and encouragement, but it also serves as a reference point for you during the finishing process. Also take time to disassemble everything you can so that your awesome paint job isn't derailed by stray paint on a hinge, mirror, or other component. Also, make sure you allow time for your primer to dry. Um, Here in the humid coastal south in Charleston, I often give an oil-based primer um, about 24 hours actually to dry. Also, take time to allow your final coat to dry before staging. This is the hardest part for me because I get so excited to share the final look. Lastly, understand that developing your skills takes guess what? Time. Give yourself grace. Give yourself time to learn and be sure to take a look back every so often so you can be encouraged by how far you've come. Happy painting. Thank you, Destiny, for sharing the many times we have the opportunity to take time. Today's question of the week is what was the most challenging piece you ever worked on and why? Hi, I'm Nikki from Painted on Main. So I've been doing furniture for about seven years now full-time and over the course of that time I've definitely had a lot of very very challenging pieces. I feel like especially working with older wood pieces you just never know the problems that are going to come up and you're always finding new solutions. 
solutions that you never thought you would have to find. So I feel like I've had a lot of challenge ones, but not, not I wouldn't say one particularly sticks out the most, but I can say that my most recent hardest challenging piece would be a mid-century modern hutch that I did. It had about four layers, maybe more of paint. And I really so badly wanted to restore it to its natural beauty. And I thought it would be a lot easier than it was, but stripping paint off of pieces is never that fun or never that easy. It always looks easier than it is. So I did multiple coats of stripper and that took me about a couple days and then kind of lightly pressure washed it to get all the gunk off. And then I ended up doing like four or five different grits of sandpaper to get it to the smoothest I wanted. Finally, I was super happy about how the wood looked and it was kind of coming together. Then I tried a, a stain that ended up really, really washing it out. And I felt like the piece was ruined. Really wanted to cry because I'd already invested so much time into this piece, but I was able to take a little test section and try out different stains and ended up doing two different coats of stain on top and really loved what it looked like. So then I was going to paint the interior and I painted the interior, hated the color again, thought it washed it out, frustrated again, but then redid the interior. And in the end, it turned out really well. It was different than I had initially envisioned, but I thought it looked great. And yeah, so sometimes those stripping it, I feel like is worth it. And this time it was, it just took a lot longer than I had imagined. Hi there, this is Tina Brown with Vintage Revitalized. And the most challenging piece I've ever worked on was from a couple years ago. I had a really wonderful vintage chest of drawers. I had decided that I wanted to use this beautiful transfer of a ocean scene on the front of it. So the challenging part was I made the decision to freehand paint and extend that ocean scene to cover the you know front of the piece and to wrap around the sides. So it was very challenging. It was the first time I had ever done something like this. Um, it was overwhelming. I questioned myself a lot. Uh, you know, insecurities were flying. But in the end, I really was happy and proud of the outcome. And the gal who purchased the piece for me was just truly smitten with it. And that was a great feeling. Thank you. Hey everyone, I'm Brianna. My Instagram handle is Brianna Canuck. The most challenging piece I've ever worked on was a nine drawer long dresser with two doors covering two of the drawers in the middle. To me, the double cathedral raised panel doors felt really outdated, so I decided to fill in the panel profile with Bondo. After filling and sanding, I discovered the inside panel and outside framing were not level to each other, and you could see where the Bondo was really bad. I then got some dowels to add texture to the door and cover up the imperfections of the Bondo, but when I got done, I thought they looked even worse. Looking back, I think I chose the wrong size circumference dowels, and larger ones would have been a better choice, but at that point, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I thought to myself, well, at least the dresser was free. And then I got the idea to flip the doors around. So the back of the door was now facing the front, and I had beautiful double cathedral flat panel doors. Doing that completely changed the look and felt way more modern. It's now my favorite piece that I've ever done. Hi, I'm Marwa from Salt and Honey Reclaimed. The most challenging piece I've ever worked on was a dresser that I found for free on Facebook Marketplace. It looked terrible in the pictures, but for some reason I was really drawn to it. Maybe because the biggest transformations are usually the most rewarding. When I picked it up, it was in even worse condition than I was expecting. 
It belonged to a preteen who was having a hard time, and she'd carved some very sad things into the wood. The legs were wobbly, and all the handles were either broken or missing. I began working on it right away, filled all the dings, scratches, and words with wood filler, and sanded until it was completely smooth. Filled the old hardware holes, sanded the top drawer to reveal beautiful raw wood that I sealed with wax, painted the rest of it in bellwood by fusion mineral paint, and then added new legs and hardware. That's where I hit one more snag. The new legs were very wobbly too, so I had to do something I'd never done before. I added a new base to the dresser to secure the new legs with new mounting plates. This little dresser got a ton of interest when I listed it for sale. The person who ended up buying it was a lovely dad who just redecorated his daughter's room. He showed me the mural he'd done on the accent wall and how the dresser matched it perfectly. I love that I was able to give new life to one girl's dresser so that another little girl could enjoy it for years to come. Thanks, Nikki, Tina, Brianna, and Arwa. If you have a general question you would like asked among your refinishing peers, send me an email at lane at enjoyzebra.com. If we answer your question on the podcast, you'll receive a free zebra paintbrush. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to one of our newer podcast segments called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary refinishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Leanne with All About the Paint. Hey there, this is Leanne from All About the Paint. I would like to give accolades to Jess at Flipping Unbelievable. I found her page shortly after starting mine and I've been a follower ever since. Not only does Jess refinish furniture, she also paints cabinets, which is one of the many reasons I can relate to her account. I know I can always turn to Jess when I need advice or help with something finishing or business related. She's an amazing refinisher and her pieces are always flawless and beautiful. I have seen her business grow from working out of her garage to now having her own shop. She has definitely been an inspiration to me. Thanks Leanne and accolades Jess. We had several participate in our 200th episode celebration giveaway. Stay tuned for next week as we will announce the winners on the podcast. This month's Zebra Review Contest category for December is Entry Tables. Our featured judge is Katie Cloud with Katie and Company. She will be choosing her favorites and then sharing those with the remaining judges to then choose the top three. Those judges are Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, Katie Scott with Salvage by Kay Scott, and Lauren Schwachino with Portland Rose Studio. In order to enter your refinished entry tables, you must use the hashtag ZebraEntryTables. You can enter any entry table you're finished in any style, any color from January 1st, 2022 through the end of this month, December 31st, 2022. A big thank you to this month's sponsors, Surf Prep Sanding, D. Lawless Hardware, The Real Milk Paint Company, and Zebra Paint Brushes. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to any of the judges or send me an email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing.